Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. I'm your host, Susan May. I'm very fortunate to have as a guest on today's session, David Harvey, faculty at Kwantlen Polytechnic University in the lower mainland of British Columbia. David's a past director of HR at the BC Institute of Technology, where we worked together now a number of years ago. David helped the HR department at BCIT transition from a very administrative, rules-oriented doer of all the people management stuff to one where the staff began to recognize the team as the experts who could be relied upon to assist and help build the HR toolkits of the supervisors and the managers within the organization. It wasn't an easy process and one that likely still experiences pushback. David will share why this change was important, why he led the team through the process, and how he helped the culture of BCIT change to accept this new way of working together. David, welcome. Thank you so much for saying yes to speaking with us today. I'm happy to be here. Before we proceed, I want to say a little bit about you. Is that okay? That's fine. Please do. <laughs> okay. You are a seasoned HR professional with a wealth of experience and training. Uh, David, you're currently working as faculty at Kwantlen Polytechnic University, teaching within the business school, and you're the principal of Solutions That Work, providing consulting in HR and labor relations. Your Bachelor of Commerce and Master of Education, um, or your academic credentials, have been very effectively applied in employment roles, two of which were as the Director of HR at BCIT and within the healthcare sector as well, if I recall. You've worked as the Executive Director of the Association of Administrative and Professional Staff at UBC. You've led a number of organizational development projects. You've been the spokesperson responsible for negotiations. You volunteered for the HR Professional Association Board, chaired conference committees. I could go on. You're awesome. <laughs> and the full details of your background um, and all the involvements that, uh, that um, I haven't listed here are included on the podcast information page on your favorite social media platform. And I do encourage you to go, go there and take a look. Not you, the people that are listening to us. <laughs> You're one of my favorite people and someone who I, I have always considered a mentor. You've been the wind beneath my wings and you have encouraged me to dare to soar. And you helped both myself and the team that I was working in completely change the service that we provided via personnel 
now known as HR at BCIT. I do recall this being a really significant change and having since then worked in several HR director positions myself, I recognize that this kind of cultural change was quite extensive. And like I write about in the book, Leadership Inside Out, Affecting Change from Within, would have gotten really significant cultural change um, and ripple effects in the organization. I, I remember the, the pushback that I got from the deans and the associate deans who were not remotely interested in taking on what they considered personnel work. It wasn't theirs, uh, the people management component of, of what they did. And I still see that attitude prevalent in some managers these many years later. David, what was the impetus um, you, for you to take the team and the organization on this journey? I was fortunate. I, I joined BCIT at a time that it, it had, was going through some transition as, as an organization. And I was doubly fortunate in that I joined a, a crew of people that were interested in making, in making change. I had really, really good people for the most part on that team. And I realized when I, when I arrived at, at the Institute that for years, the entire HR department had been focused on basically policing the collective agreements was probably a good way of looking at things. Making sure that, uh, that the managers, the deans, associate deans, didn't, uh, didn't cross any of the red lines in, in the various labor contracts. And it, what it really meant was we were doing something that was no fun. We were not adding value. And we were always telling people, no, we were, we were the doom, Dr. Doom. You know, when you saw us, you'd screwed up. <laughs> and and it, it wasn't fun. And more importantly, it wasn't helpful for the organization. So I guess that was the impetus. Do you recall the steps that you took? Like it was, was it, you know, you saw a need for a change. Had you... Yeah, and now that I've been a, a director, um, had you did you have sort of CAO champion level support? Yes, um, one of the things I recall, and I it fondly recall, was that there was a, just a terrific executive team in place at, at the institute at that time. We had what I considered, and I and I got to see most of the leaders of the other uh, colleges and institutes up close in those years. We had uh, the best leadership in the entire province of any of the institutions. And so I had good support at the top. When I, when I talked to the president and the executive team about the things that I wanted to do, they were 100% behind it. But more importantly, when I talked to, to my, my team, the people that I worked with in, in HR, for the most part, they were, they were on board. There were a couple of people who that wasn't really what they thought we should be doing. But for the most part, I think, and there were about a, a little over a dozen of us, 13 of us at the time, I think most of us were, were looking to do something different, find a way to contribute, find a way to help, help managers make the changes they wanted to make. So it, if there were steps, it was about executive support, team support, and then just, endless conversations with managers, mm -hmm. usually one-on-one. -on -one. I, I don't think 
I'm not sure that, that, that I spent a lot of time in, in big, big meetings, but I'd go to small meetings. I'd meet with the deans as a small group, mm-hmm. or I'd, I'd meet with a small group of directors of departments and talk to them about, about how we wanted to help them, how we thought we could make their job easier. And most of them, most of them agreed, and some of them didn't. <laughs> I think I worked with a few of the ones that didn't. What about Tom? As and I, I, the unions as a stakeholder, uh, were they part of the dialogue that you had? Uh, did they have any input or feedback um, as you implemented the changes? Well, yes and and no. I've always had a very strong background in, in labor relations and um, I did my best to be straightforward with, with the union. The people who worked with me, who were dealing like you dealing with the unions had, had a very good rapport with the unions and, and were treated as honest brokers. But for the most part, what we, the changes we are trying to make in HR impacted the managers and the employees of the Institute differently than they impacted the unions. We were, we were trying to make the office more welcoming to employees, to frontline employees. You know, don't wait until something blows up. Come and talk to us when you've got an issue or a concern. And, and also trying to get out of the office. I guess that was one of the other things I remember talking with the team about was that in what ways can we get out of our offices and engage with people where they work? Because it's always struck me that it's really difficult to be a proactive and helpful HR practitioner if you are seen by the rest of the organization as one of the suits who comes Mm -hmm. from head office. So I guess that was it. I guess where I was thinking on the unions is that, you know, yes, I recall that we you know, we, we ensured to the extent that we could compliance with the terms of the collective agreements. And when you let go um, or loosen the reins of that um, in, you know, in, in looking to have the managers accept more accountability for their people oversight, um, that's where I was going and whether or not there was a concern. Um, I think, Susan, the difference with the unions was that we started to not so much on, on the HR front, but on, on, the, on the labor relations side, we started to treat them differently. We started, we started to, to try and refrain from dealing with them as the enemy. Mm. We tried to see where we could cooperate. And there were, a, there were a few initiatives that we found where we could reach out to the union and do something that, that they had wanted to get done, even if they hadn't vocalize that yet things like you know coordination of the benefits plans Mm -hmm. there was always this jockeying for who's got the better extended health who's got the better dental plan finding ways to to bring those things together was i think fed into dreams that that our union leaders had trying to address issues of discrepancy between our two faculty union wage scales you know yeah. that that was a management initiative. That was our HR department going out and saying to the board and the leaders of the institute, "This is a problem. If we don't fix this in the next few years, it's really going to cause 
a problem with employee engagement and potential strikes and you name it. So from that perspective, I think the unions could see that we weren't the evil empire. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I remember so clearly really buying into the vision that you were, you were articulating for us when you explained how we were a service provider and a partner with each of the departments. And, um, Really, we were helping in that partnership in moving the organization's mandate forward. And so just that, that, that increased purpose for us was a really important um, convincer for me that what I was doing was actually um, an important piece of you know, BCIT and, and what BCIT was looking to, um, to provide as a service to the students, to, you know, to all of its clients and customers through. through. If I can interrupt you, Susan, it doesn't surprise me that it resonated with you. Um, I've been reading and rereading your book, Leadership from the Inside Out. I, you have always been a person who was searching for a purpose. And I think, I think that's most of us. And that's one of the things I love about your book is that it really speaks to people about finding out what's inside of them and connecting to their purpose and, and, and their true self. So I'm not surprised by, by your take on, on that, but I think you and I are agreed on that. I think, I think we are all happier in our, in our relationships, in our jobs, when we see that we have a purpose. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, I agree. I agree so wholeheartedly. And I, I don't think that it was just us then. I think it's always been there. And I think, you know, I think organizations are starting to recognize that. And I think we as individuals are starting to, it's not just the new generations of employees. It's always been there. They're just way better at saying it out loud than, than we have been. I, yeah, the other part is that it was really nice that the HR wasn't always the bad guy then, you know, that, that we all were sort of arm in arm dealing, tackling with the, the challenges that, that come up um, when you're working with an organization that people are involved and that's, that's most of us. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I think I'm going to turn the conversation to a little bit about you and a choice in your career, because, you know, when we talk about purpose, it kind of leads me, you left being a director of HR and became, and you've loved working with students and, and really working with people who aspire to be HR professionals. Um, and so you're seeing and have been for years now, um, the, new, the new us <laughs> coming yep. up through the ranks. Mm -hmm. um, and probably you're seeing things like the need for purpose. I know because I've come and I've spoken to some of your classes, you send many of those students out on special projects. Um, so they're working with other organizations, both private and public sector, nonprofit. What are you seeing? What, what are they coming back and, and telling you about today's organizations and, and HR departments in today's organizations? 
I think the, the students of today, and, and bear in mind, um, Kwantlen Polytechnic uh, University is, is an unusual institution. Um, my students range in age from 25 to 55. And, and so I, I see a broad spectrum of, of them. And I would say that, especially with the younger students, one of the huge changes now is they are looking for meaning more than money. Um, it, it, it's an unfortunate byproduct of where our economy has gone that home ownership is a, a distant dream for, for mm -hmm. young people today. And, and the young people in my classes, like the young people in my family, express regularly the need for meaning in what they do. And they, they are coming back often doing projects in organizations. My, I teach as, as across the, the, the four years of the degree program, but I, I regularly teach in our, our capstone course, the practicum course, and the students mm -hmm. go out and do a, do a, a project with a, a real organization. And many of them are finding projects that that speak to the, the big issues of, of their, their life. I've had in the last year, a lot of students doing projects around diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is something that, that for young people, it, it, is, it is the challenge of their time to, to find a way to be more inclusive and welcoming to people of all different kinds in, in organizations. And so I, I guess that search for meaning is very, very important to them. And it flows through in their writing. It flows through in their choices of project. It flows through in the multiculturalism and, and the way they treat each other in their classes and their mm -hmm. groups. They've, um, they've lived a different life than I lived. You know, as a youngster in... Uh, small town, white bread, Ontario, this was not what I grew up in. And then as a, as a teenager in, in Montreal, at that time, there were basically the, the two solitudes, the, the, the French and the English, and, and there, there were not a lot of people of color. And, and there, weren't, there wasn't the multicultural influence that, that my students have grown up in. They, it, it's, it is the air they breathe, and mm -hmm. it's the air they've always breathed, and it's not foreign to them. And the thing I would say to, um, to organizations today, get ready for these people, because mm -hmm. they are going to rock your world. They are going to bring with them the desire and the skills to change organizations for the better. I'm, I'm really optimistic by what I see in these young people. Oh, I, I agree. Um, and are they finding that they're, they're engaging in projects and they're doing research in the organizations that they're doing those practicums with? Are those organizations getting it yet? What, what, when, when they're coming back and talking to you, what, what are you, what are their, what's their experience? Well, what I'm, what we're hearing, and my, my colleagues and I were talking about this in a department meeting yesterday. And, and we all have deep 
deep contacts and, and extensive backgrounds working in, in HR before we, we came to teaching at, at Kwantlen. And there is a huge need out there in organizations today. HR departments are desperate for how do we move forward? How do we move forward based on what we've seen in the world in the last few years? Um, Me Too and Black Lives Matter have changed the way organizations want to be and they've got this desperate need to, where do we start? Mm-hmm. And that's what I say. These young people that are graduating from our program, they're ready to address these challenges and they are going to address the challenges and they're going to help these organizations find ways to move forward. And, and, and you know, we live in a particular part of the world where the level of multiculturalism in the lower mainland is not really well understood by people who don't live here. You know, the, the, your basic white Anglo-Saxon Protestant is now in the minority Mm -hmm. in, in the lower mainland and has been for some time. We, we have a society here that has welcomed people from all over the world. We have failed in many ways in welcoming, welcoming them properly. And we still do day in and day out, but it makes for an exciting opportunity. And, and, you know, everything I've read, every study I I have seen published about diversity in organizations, they all come down to the same answer. The more diverse you are, the more you encourage diversity of thought and opinion in your organization, the more success your organization has. It makes a lot of sense. And it gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. Quite honestly, when I when I hear that, yeah, um, I just I know what we went through, you know, with this microcosm of one HR department and one organization, and some of the challenges that we faced, and it it does give me hope that that the practitioners that are coming up through the ranks and will take the directors' positions and and use their voice are going to help create um, organizations that we can be proud of. Well, and I, I hope they're going to solve some of the big, the big problems. I, I am at the stage of my career where, you know, part of the reason I want to, I want to teach is because I am passing the torch and there are, there are issues that our generation did not solve. And I was reminded of this the other day, my wife and I, and I had watched the, the film that, uh, that re, re, reviews the life of Helen Reddy, the singer. Oh. And, you know, her most famous piece of music is, is that anthem of the women's movement, I Am Woman, Hear Me mm-hmm. Roar. Mm-hmm. And um, I took the opportunity because my, I had my students working through an issue on the disparity of women's pay versus men's pay in Canada today. They were working through some research in the Globe and Mail and how to apply that. But I took the opportunity to check on the internet and I wanted to know what year it was that the Women's March on Washington, that Helen Reddy had sung that song that was already old then. It was 1989. Oh dear. It was 32 years ago. Oh dear. And here we are in 2021 and we haven't, we haven't even solved the wage disparity issue. 
So I, I can have my days where I look back and think, man, we dropped that ball. And then I have my days when I, I am with my students, now virtually online, yeah. and I get so excited because I know they are going to solve it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't, but they're going to. Well, we, we've seen people stepping up through COVID and Black Lives Matter and, uh, and others to, to make sure that their voices is heard. And they're not, they're not going to not have their voice heard, which is a good thing. The, the theme for this month is on recruitment. Yep. So as we bring this uh, podcast to a bit of a conclusion, any, any tips, um, especially around some of what we've talked about um, in best preparing people either as they're entering an organization or considering changing an organization, what to look for, how to, how to as I say, how to prepare. So do we, want to, do we want to look at this from the employer side or from the applicant side? I think from the applicant side. Okay. Um, one of the things I say to my students is there is no question. We know there is going to be a skills shortage in Canada. There will not be a labor shortage. We've got enough people to do the work. We don't have enough people with the right skills. But those who have taken the time and invested the money and the effort in getting the skills, like my students that are graduating with a BBA in HR this year, they are not going to have to compete for money. It, it, the paradigm has changed in a labor shortage. So the discussion I have with them is, look, you're probably always going to be able to command good pay, decent benefits. That isn't the question. The question is, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to accomplish? So when you're looking at a job, my question for you is not about what this job will be like tomorrow, but what is this job going to do for you three years from now when I hope you are moving to a new job? something where you create even more value for, for human beings and organizations. So I say to them, look, look at the job as a stepping stone. Consider carefully the people that you are going to be working with and mm -hmm. for. And there's so much information available to this generation online. You know, websites like Glassdoor will tell you everything you need to know mm -hmm. about the, the, the culture and what really goes on in an organization. And so I say to I say to, to young people when they're they're looking at these these sometimes their first jobs, but quite often a lot of my students are already working in in, in somewhere in HR. I say, let's think about this seriously. Don't make it about the money. The money will be there. I believe the money is always going to be there for this generation. I think we're going to be skill shortage for decades now. But spend your life learning, find something that, that has meaning. And you know this, you know how much I loved working with you. Find people, surround yourself yeah. with people that share your vision, that, that want to succeed, that want to contribute to the world. It and, makes such a difference. And the other thing I say to them is, someday you'll get to be a boss. You will get promoted. And you know what? There is no magic to being a boss, it's actually really simple. Find really good people who want to be a star. 
push them out in front, let them light up the sky and just bask in their glow. That's the boss you want to be one day. You're a supporting role. Yeah. Push those people out and, and let them let them fulfill their potential the way I hope people early in your careers will let you do the same. Yeah, I think all I would add to that and just listening, because I know how wonderful it was uh, to work in the team that you led, is um, to learn from your mistakes, because you're going to make them, right? Oh, yeah. And, and the stuff that, that really sits, sits poorly with you is what you know not to do <laughs> when, you're in, when you are now in the role of the overseer. Um, and, it, you know, the other thing I, I, I talk about with my students is learn as much from your failures as you do from your successes. And I've got a long list of failures in my life. And I've, I try to think that, I, that I've learned something from each and every one of them. And, and oddly enough, sometimes the lessons from the failures are more important and stick with you longer than, than the successes. Yeah. And so I, I say that to them, look, this is, you're going you're gonna to fail. Get up, admit that you failed, Tell people you're going to do better tomorrow and then go in and show them that you can. Yep. No, I think that's um, good insights. So you asked me whether or not you should look from the perspective of the applicant or from the employer. Did you have a tip for those who are listening who might be overseeing? Yeah, as an employer. Yeah. The world has changed. It's not all about money anymore. And if, if you think that uh, decent pay and, and a good set of benefits are going to get you the top talent of tomorrow, um, you're living in a world that doesn't exist anymore. These young people that I've talked about who are, are searching for meaning, they, they will turn down a job with good money and good benefits simply to join an organization that, that resonates with them and, and who, who has, that has a purpose. That, that provides meaning to their life and gives them the opportunity to grow and to shine. So when you are advertising what you've got, first, build the culture that does that, that gives people the opportunity to shine and to grow and then sell that because that's something that, that they are looking for, that they're hungry for. Anybody can provide the, the money and the benefits, but not every organization can provide that that opportunity it's it's like the you can be an employer of choice or you can be a choice employer yeah I, I, there's, sometimes there's a difference <laughs> and you know you if you don't understand your culture and we'll talk more about this in the podcast series upcoming that um what you what you say you are and what you really are there better not be much of a gap in between those David, thank you so very much for agreeing to be a, a guest on the, the podcast series, HR Inside Out. I know that I found your insights um, very informative. It was fascinating going through that process with you as you work to transition the HR department at BCIT. Um, it was a good experience that um, I'm just really glad that you've agreed to come and, and chat about your perspective of how all that was determined in the processes that you went through. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope that, um, that you, our listeners, have gotten some nuggets out of today's session. Um, 
we hope that if you did, you will consider putting a, a review on the podcast on your favorite social media platform. Um, leave a review so that others might benefit from your learning. If you wish to connect with either of us, you'll find our contact information on the podcast description page, again, on your favorite social media platform. I'll be back again next week. I hope you will join me again as we, you guessed it, dare to soar. Susan and David signing out. Thank you again, David. And thank you to our listeners for being here with us today. It's been, it's been fun. Thank you. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review or whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangene at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.